Welcome to your fifth beer supervision, the podcast where we learn about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and I'm here with my co-host once again, Jesse Richardson. How are you going this week, Jesse? Man, I'm doing so well, Aaron. What, what have you got here in front of me? What is oh, this? You may or may not notice, depending on your sound of um, sound equipment of choice, but we have upgraded significantly with our sound gear, which is very exciting. Yes. I've been um, tinkering away over the weekend like a little nerd, and it's been very fun. <laughs> so good. Got my own special dedicated mic. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, the, not the full room mic that picks yeah. up all the weird noise like last time. Yeah. Very exciting. No, this, is, this is good. This is good. Yeah, I feel... I feel feel like we're, we're really stepping up. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're real podcasters now. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're also in a different location. We're not in my living room as we usually are. Where are we today, Jesse? Uh, we are at Think, Grow, Connect. And that is a private practice here in Turalgan. Oh, yes. Exciting. Whoa. <laughs> you kind of get a giggle right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> And what's that, what's that disembodied voice you he- we hear in the background laughing at us? Well, Aaron, that, that is our guest for the week. Whoa, yes. amazing. Yes, so we have with us here Justine Anderson, uh, who uh, is um, the, the boss, the big, big wig over at, over at Think Grow Connect. It is her practice. Um, and she has been kind enough to allow us to record our episode of Beer Supervision here today. Um, say good day, Justine. Hi, everyone. It is very exciting to kind of be with these guys, and I've been super impressed by this equipment. It's yeah. super surprising, <laughs> yeah. actually. It's very, very fancy. Yeah, well, you weren't expecting this, were no, you? It's no, slightly intimidating. Yeah. It's a big thing in my face. Yeah, <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> we aim to impress. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, and um, so, uh, Jesse, how about you um, maybe introduce... Us a bit to Justine and who she is. Yes, so um, Justine, I understand you are a psychologist. Yes. I am a psychologist. I've been a psychologist for quite a long time. It's always scary when I kind of think about how long I've been a psychologist for. Yeah, so mm. I've been a psychologist for well and truly over 20 years. I won't tell you kind of generally the amount of time, but well and truly over 20 years. Um, and a psychologist in kind of a few different roles. I started off in clinical research um, straight out of my... Um, a uni degree and out of my one of my placements so that was really kind of was really exciting and really interesting and then I went into mental health in Melbourne and then when we moved down here to Gippsland mental health in Gippsland so child and adolescent mental health services and then into private practice nice which is where where you are now how long have you been um here at Think Grow Connect for so Think Grow Connect has been around for nearly seven years and before that I was um in a private practice um in a pediatrician's kind of building, working with a couple of other different professionals um, for maybe about five years before that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I think um, I think that's fantastic. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing some good insights from Justine today about private practice. Yeah, because I suppose it's two different types, isn't it? You know, yeah. more um, kind of solo, but with some other professionals and then with a practice where I employ a, a number of other people. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that'll be... Um, I, I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you, Justine. But... Before we do that, it's probably one of my favourite parts of the podcast. Exciting. It's, it's time to introduce the beer that we've got for the week. What have you got for us this week, Jesse? Well, today we have Bridge Road Brewers 
Little Bling Session IPA. <laughs> Little Bling. Little Bling. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, nice. it's, uh, I see it's from Beechworth, Victoria. Yes. Ooh. Yes, it Keeping is. up with the regional theme. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and Justine uh, is, is going, going very hard. Going very hardcore on, on water. It's waters. been a long day. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Um, Justine's taking good care of her mental health and sticking yes. to the water <laughs> this episode. Yeah. Well, living we... in the country, it's a long drive home. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's it. And I think uh, yeah, being responsible around drinking um, of alcohol is, is a really important thing and something that we definitely um, like to endorse here at Beer Supervision. While having uh, a beer. While having a beer. Only mm. one beer throughout the course of the podcast. Um, well, you have to drink that quickly. It'll go warm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just see, you're undercutting our message. Okay, okay. I'm so, this is so conflicting. <laughs> my body is telling me oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no. It's the other way around. It's like my mind is telling me no. Oh, God. That's good. Yeah. Cut that one out. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm keeping it in. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> this is, yeah, this so is raw and uncut. How about we go with the crack? <laughs> All right. right. Here we Let's go. go. Oh, yes. Oh, that was not bad. Best right. sound. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I can taste the bling. Well, it's real blingy. Yeah. yeah no. There's some super impressed faces. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was not necessarily expecting it to be that good because I'm not a huge fan of IPAs, yeah. but that was actually all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to go like, it was... You were, were going to go like I, I wasn't expecting it to be that bad and just just trash the beer from, <laughs> the, from the outside of the podcast. But no, no. That's, that's for the review section. No, I'm too much of a fan of beer in general to just outright trash a beer unless it's yeah, okay. truly terrible. Yes. Yeah. Because so. a beer is a beer. Yeah, that's true. Yes. All right. <laughs> On that note, um, yeah. Well, so we'll check back in, see how we go with the beer later on, mm-hmm. um, and the water. And the water. Eager, eager to hear how that tastes. Yeah, what, yeah what's really yeah. nice water today? Yeah, I wonder yeah. what yeah, Trelgan water is like. Well, it's filtered. Oh, is it? Oh, that's actually my, no, nicer. My my bathroom tap has this weird taste where I have to like turn it on for like a, like a couple of seconds bef- to clear out the pipes, then I can drink it. Otherwise, there's like a weird sweet taste. I don't know what that is, but I don't want to know. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> no. Delicious. Nope. Anyway. <laughs> I don't want to think about that too much. <laughs> this, this water's fine. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Alrighty, so for today's episode, we are going to be having a really uh, in-depth chat with Justine about working in private practice um, as an early career mental health uh, clinician um, or someone, you know, if you're uh, out there listening and you're still finishing your degree and you're wondering where do I want to go once I, once I finish up. Um, and private practice is a bit of an option for you. Uh, hopefully, we can help help uh, help out with making that decision. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a very covert burp that Justine is laughing at me for. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hide it really, but yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. This is one. Of, I think this is, is the that biggest, an occupational hazard. This is the biggest drawback of having beer supervision. Like I've noticed this a few times. It, it, it does get quite hard to to conceal the burp. Um, (laughs) and with these advanced mics now i think it's gonna get even harder yeah no we're gonna pick up every bodily sound oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh god okay justine so um i was hoping that we could get your thoughts today on a few topics and the first one i think that is uh you know really an interesting one for our listeners would be the idea of getting into private practice right after you finish your degree. 
Um, I've noticed uh, as, as I was going through my, de- my degree that um, it was almost as though they were, they were gearing us away from private practice, as though that, that was maybe not an ideal place to, to kick off. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, would, what was the reason for that? Like what were they thinking and what were, they, what were the messages you were getting when you were studying? Uh, so I guess when I was thinking about yeah, what, what they were conveying to us, um, the, the really big thing that kind of stood out for me, and if any of my lecturers are listening and, and this is not the case, um, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I promise I was listening. Um, was that it can be quite a isolating experience in that you, uh, you know, you rock up to work, you, you see your uh, clients 50 minutes, you've got your 10 minutes of note writing. And then um, you know, if you make time in your calendar to schedule a break, which you should, because that's good, good self-care, um, then you really don't have a huge amount of time to really interact with other people. Whereas I guess when you work more in um, say community or other workplaces that have more of a team, team dynamic, you, you get a lot more support and um, it can it can make that you know I guess some of the difficulties of working in mental health a, a little bit easier. Yeah, I was um, having a think about you know private practice and getting into private practice because I suppose um, you know my experience having studied a long time ago um, would be quite different. You know, private practice wasn't really considered as an option. Mm. Um, you know, when I was studying, so it it was only something that probably people started to think about. You know some years into my journey as a psychologist because that just wasn't even discussed. You just went straight out and you worked for an organisation and it just even wasn't thought about at all. Um, So it's quite a different experience, I think, for you guys because I think that that is something that's thought about quite a lot. And when I went into private practice, the the reason I went in was really around flexibility with my family. So I think that that's probably one of the other things that strikes me about my journey and potentially other people's journey is knowing why you're getting into private practice. That's probably the same as, you know, why you're working for a certain organisation too, Um, knowing the reasons personally for that um, part of the journey. It's really tricky, I suppose, um, and I'll speak from a a woman's point of view, it's probably not, you know, not your complete audience, but I I suppose it is quite tricky when you have a young family to get flexibility in Mm. the work that we do. You know, lots of places want to um, employ 9 to 5 still um, or 8.30 to 5.30 and, you know, there might be um, a crisis in your workplace that you have to attend to, especially if you're working for a mental health service, and so there's not... Of the flexibility of leaving potentially if one of your kids needs to be picked up. So for me, getting into private practice was probably partly about that flexibility right. um, for okay. my family mm. um, rather than going, you know, this is where I want to be. Um, where I want to be. Speaking about um, flexibility with families, that was one of my kids. Um, <laughs> we, might get, we might get the repeat buzz for a couple more times. I appreciate, appreciate you screening the call. <laughs> Is that time of night? Um, <laughs> What's the dinner, Mum? <laughs> Absolutely. Or can I have this? Um, yeah, so... Um, uh, and actually, I think it's about a haircut. Um, so, <laughs> so clearly, that was why I needed that flexibility. Um, so that was probably one of the things that um, that first led me into private practice. Um, also, it was 
probably around other professionals saying, will you come and work? So it wasn't me going looking to set that up for myself. It just kind of evolved and then it was like a really good fit for my family um, and getting that balance right. And then I suppose going fully into private practice came from after that because it was really hard to juggle both, um, mm. you know, um, and to do justice to being in a, working within organisation and private practice. So it was kind of like choosing one or the other. And then that's mm. probably where Think Grow Connect came about, you know, then doing that properly. Yeah. yeah. And I think even even more so in a rural setting that, um, you know, balancing that line between uh, working for an, an organisation and then working privately where you, you will find some clients, they, they kind of overlap. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that I did, which is probably a bit unique as well, is I didn't actually have a clinical role when I was in mental health services um, and in private practice. I waited till after I left a clinical role, so it was a non-clinical role. And that made that... In um, the interlapping, you know, a little bit easier to manage because I wasn't, weren't, you know, I wasn't seeing clients in both settings, um, and it made it kind of a bit easier for me. And that's probably, you know, from my journey rather than from your journey. It's mm. it's quite a different landscape now, I think, mm. um, for early career, uh, you know, mental health professionals. I think yeah. it's completely different. Um, you want to ask me a question, Aaron? I can see something's on your mind. Oh, no, right. <laughs> well, I was thinking, so like for social workers, um, there's kind of like a hard limit on when you can get into private practice because you yeah. have to have been practicing for at least two years before you can get the ed- accreditation from the association so that you can use Medicare. Um, so there's a pretty hard limit. Um, but I, I, in my understanding of it, the hard limit is there because there is some level of, I guess, risk in someone so newly graduated to be doing working by themselves um without that kind of experience and support from an organization getting into it by yourself there's i mean some extent maybe setting yourself up to fail a bit yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, um you know i think that that is a really good thing to think about and i you know like legally as well as personally as well as you know um for clients Mm. um it you know i think that knowing why you're doing it um, just as with any job, is a really good place to start. But also, um, you know, knowing what you need, like what you need in terms of your practice and your your strengths and your weaknesses in what you do. You know, some people probably can work quite well, fairly isolated, um, and other people just can't. So mm. understanding that about yourself. So even if you're in a private practice, do you need to be with another group of people out of the same building and is that enough support for you or do you need to work within a private practice and be employed in that role and does that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. something that you kind of will fit better for you so just I think it is important to um have that understanding about yourself and where you're going um and then go from there. Yeah. I'm giggling because I am getting those repeat calls that I described um (laughs) don't don't stress (laughs) Um, yeah, so it, I think that that's, um, you know, always the first kind of thing to think about when you're, you're thinking about private practice, because it can be isolating. Um, you know, you're managing a lot more things. So when you're working for an organisation, they are thinking about the legal aspects of your work. They're um, engaging in um, a business contract with the clients that you're seeing. Mm. Um, but when you're in private practice, that's the stuff that you're doing and you have to manage because... 
it extends the work that we do quite significantly. Right. The work we do is is clinical and it's, you know, it um, may be case management or it may be assessment or it may be therapy and that's what we're often trained to do. We're not trained in business and <laughs> yeah, we're right. not trained in understanding that. That's stuff that you actually have to look for and spend a lot of time looking yeah, for and yeah. be on top of it. So it's quite a, a lot extra to think about. And um, when you're in private practice, you are in a business contract with your clients as well as providing therapy. And that adds a kind of complexity to what we do um, and our role and our relationships. So being clear about how to manage that is really, really important. What, what do you mean by that? Like what is the complexity there in terms of the business relationship? Yeah. So when I suppose when a client's coming in and, you know, if I'm going to be really basic about it, there's purchasing something from us. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so what are our terms and conditions and how, um, you know, how do we communicate that? Um, do we understand, like, consumer law and how that works? Because that is what we're entering into. So all of those kind of things um, are things that we have to learn about and think about that we just aren't trained in right. at all or think about mm. or know about as part of what private practice is about. Yeah. So it's quite a different kind of yeah place to be yeah it is that's um that's so interesting like these are these are things that i'm now just thinking oh god i i didn't think of that yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah that's gonna go go get yourself a business degree first and then we can get into it sometimes maybe <laughs> the things that frustrate me most <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it would it would be kind of like such a such a double edged sword because you're you're getting that that clinical practice and, and all of that and, and kind of the fulfillment out of having having that own business that that, that is yours and flexibility and the flexibility around that but and providing good therapy you know the way you yeah. want to provide it so yeah, yeah that's but, the the other part yeah, yeah but then the, the the business side of things managing all of that um, yeah it would it would be yeah and, of, yeah and that probably and is the trickiest part for me about. Um, because I, I kind of see it as one of the same somewhat because, you know, um, being in private practice does mean that you can be flexible in the way you provide therapy and, you know, potentially providing therapy, um, the therapy that you think is going to be most helpful for your clients and you can resource your clinic as the way you want to resource it. Mm. Um, but the business side of it is equally as important because if you don't consider um, – that part of it, you're not providing good therapy for your clients mm. or considering your clients in the same way. You know, if you don't have clear terms and conditions and clear expectations of what they're receiving and how we work and all of those kind of things, then that could potentially be a gap in, in the work that we do. So yeah. it's it's quite intermingled, which makes it a little bit tricky sometimes to yeah. separate the two. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so what would be like the, um, like the reason you would potentially recommend someone to get into private practice or like what would be the good reasons where you'd be like yeah that's a really good reason why you should get into private over just working for a, an organization oh you're asking a really hard question <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, don't take your time to think about it it's okay i suppose look i think that private practice offers the opportunity for flexibility in the way you work mm-hmm. Um, and there is the potential to kind of provide therapy in different ways, like um, and you know, like we use quite a bit of technology here. Mm. Um, so, and that's probably not something you can do as easily in other organisations. It might be harder to ha- get access to 
different resources and things like that. And you can do that in private practice if you go, that's a good tool and that's evidence-based or, uh, you know, that would really enhance what we do. You can just yeah. purchase that if that's something you can. <laughs> yeah, um, was just telling me about some tech that you guys have that's blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Like the... Yeah, so we've got the... You, you recently picked up the VR... Yeah. Therapy sort of stuff, which I'm really keen to get my hands on. Yeah. I haven't practiced it. It has yet. made me feel sick. Yeah. I tried to desensitize to my fear of heights, yeah. which was hilarious, I think, for one of my kids at home while I was yeah. holding the table going, You need to come here. <laughs> <laughs> I, just think, I just think the, yeah, the. The idea there that you mentioned, Justine, about kind of like being your own boss in that regard and then being able to say, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go out and make this purchase. It's, um, whereas I guess when you work in an organisation... Uh, they may not be, fit with the, with yeah, the organisation goals or the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of, I guess, you know, in, in organisations, you have to write up a whole spiel and a pitch about why this, this would benefit the mm. organisation and, and, and this and that. But I guess, yeah, in, in private practice, it sounds like you do have a lot more just, well, I'm going to get this because I want to and yep. because it's evidence-based and I think it would really enhance my practice. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So that is a bit more flexible in terms of yeah. um, what we can do. Um, mm. But I do think you have to be really clear about why you're getting into it because it is, in some ways, it's a lot more work. Yeah. Um, bec- you know, like you have your sessions with a client, but often, especially if you're running your own private practice, the work extends way beyond that that time. So, you know, um, it's there's a lot of behind-the-scenes kind of stuff that you have to do and that might be, mm. you know, communicating with clients, it might be managing um, miscommunication or, you know, difficulties in what you're, you know, the therapy that you're providing. It might be some legal stuff that you have to deal with. Mm. So all of that kind of adds on to your workload when you're working in an organisation that's often somebody else's job to do the groundwork or to yeah. help you negotiate that. Right. So it's... It, there is a lot more behind the scenes that I think that people don't really think about or understand the extent yeah. of, you know, um, and I think that that's probably something that is not well communicated. I don't know. Did you guys think it was just seeing clients and? I, I mean, they, they did they did say that there was a lot more work than what it what it sounds like, but um, I don't think they really went into into specifics around what that what that was for us. Um, mm. Again. I'm pretty sure I was listening. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I have my moments at times. Um, But, yeah, and and I kind of think about it now just uh, like if if you were opening up your own places, all of these things you'd have to really prepare just for the, the start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, when you think about it, even economically, so and when you're when you're running a business, you have to kind of think about all of those kind Mm. of things. So say you've got I'm just going to pull out a figure because, you know, the cost of um, a therapy session with a client for 50 minute session is different for different parts of Australia. But say if it was a two hundred dollar kind of 50 minute session, um, you know, if you think about it, that's. That's what you get paid for the client time. There may be lots of other work you need to do for that client that, you know, extends beyond that. But then there's business, you know, costs as well um, yeah. and and your time at the end of the day in terms of managing lots of different business stuff. So economically, you have to be clear about why you're doing it too. It's, it isn't um, as clear-cut as going, oh, this is a really good option because it's going to financially benefit me more than for the mm. hours that I put in compared to working for an organisation. I don't think that the gains are significantly different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that's. Sounds like what you're saying there, Justine, is don't start up a, like a, a private practice or don't get into it if you just want to make a bank. 
Well, not from my experience. Yeah, okay. It's, you know, if I think about, if I, you know, if you're yeah, going right. to nut it out and think yeah. about the hours you put in and the, the cost or the amount that you bring in, it's, mm. yeah. yeah. It, there's a lot of hours sometimes. There's a lot of hours. And depending on what's going on as well. This year has yeah. been a lot of hours. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much having to adjust a whole bunch of stuff the moment everything went to telehealth, didn't you? Yeah. I, uh, and just keeping up with stuff too. I mean, you know, that's the stuff yeah. that um, is different to uh, working for an organisation. You know, when you've got to keep up with changes to law and um, oh, no, this year's not a great example, but changing environment where, you know, just reading DHHS website on a regular basis, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and making sure that you're kind of doing the best you can mm. with the tools you have and the information you have, but it's it ends up your, the buck stops with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about what you are saying about making money and I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like ima- remembering all like the stories I've heard of people just like roving around Gippsland, just like charging a million dollars to see a patient or things like <laughs> that. I'm just like, man, maybe I should be in private practice. That sounds really good. It does sound, it does <laughs> on the outside probably seem like there's a crap load of money being made. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you balance the, the, the need for, making a sustainable business with you know providing a service that people can afford and is reasonable yeah that kind of thing um my i have a kind of a backup plan in my head so if you know because i i employ people so um you know and that's it makes it a busy practice there's lots of people who come and go we're really flexible workplace not all private practices are set up like us um so we have lots of people just working part-time here um and they set their own hours and we can adjust as needed um but the backup plan is can i run this business just on my own and cut back on all of the other kind of stuff is it sustainable if something went wrong okay that's always in the back of my head yeah. can i can i still you know manage the costs of the business if it was only just me and me having to do you know more hours for example um and that i think you need to kind of be realistic about those kind of things about you know rather than just grow 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 because i think you can kind of yeah make it very stressful for yourself if you don't mm. really have really good understanding of um yeah how your business is running and how you would support it if you needed to. Yeah, okay. Cool. Very good. Um, And... (laughs) I'm not sure I've answered any of their questions. They're both looking at each other of little shell shock going, oh, is that what we were going to get? I think think it's... I'm just tweaking the mic here. Look, she was going to answer the next question. And then you thought I was going to answer the next question. Yeah, we, we both there just was kind no of, question. There was no question. Just kind of looked at each other really puzzled. Because we kind of covered why yeah. you could possibly get in. You yeah. kind yeah. of covered. Yeah. We, we, need to, we need to, I think, Aaron, take some photos of our puzzled faces. Because we, we have referenced in the last couple of episodes, both of us just kind of looking like... What are, what are we, yeah, <laughs> what's going oh, on? Oh, <laughs> what on earth is it's happening? It's a journey oh, with some of your guests, is yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, or, or we'll, we'll, be, we'll be really deep in thought. And we, I think Aaron and I have some interesting thought faces. Oh, yeah. And then our guests kind of go, what, 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 what's going what's on going here? On? And we're just like, <laughs> where no, are no, you guys we're, up to? We're, we're, we're finding what you were saying really quite interesting yeah. and profound. Um, but this is the reason why it's an audio podcast. It's a, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's can't see our faces, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- probably a good thing. Got a bit of a face for radio. Why we think about what we're doing with our life? How, how are you going with the beer? What are you, how are you feeling about I'm it? Enjoying it. I think um, I like it. I'm just going to go with that for now. Um, okay. Tastes tastes good. I'm going. Oh, I'll have another sip. 
Justine, how's the water? Hmm. That water is phenomenal. Yeah. It's refreshing. Oh, very good. It's not very cold, though. Okay. Something, an improvement. How would you rate that water out of of five? Oh, out of five. Gee whiz. I always go out of ten. Um... So ha- what you do there, Justine, is you just half it. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. work, though, because there's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. See, this is the other thing about having a private practice. You have to be quite yeah. rigid. The scale just isn't nuanced enough yeah. for my assessment of this water. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to go into decimal oh, points. By all means, we've done that. It's fine. Maybe it's a 3.78. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. 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 That gives that was... me a really strong understanding of that water. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I work in a 10 gauge. <laughs> that's it, boys. That's it. <laughs> Oh, very good. Um, okay, how about we press on? Cool. Um, so I, one of the questions, um, one of the questions I know you were really interested in asking, and we kind of touched on it, but we didn't quite answer it, is um, what are some things that you kind of do or maybe would advise doing for people to deal with the isolation of working in yeah. private practice? Mm. Yeah. I... Um, if you're going to work completely on your own, then you probably need good and really regular supervision and yeah. peer supervision. One of the things, you know, that um, we have is is lots of kind of opportunity to talk to different professionals. Um, and, you know, I hope that what we do okay is um, everybody kind of shares um, where things are at with clients and asks for help when they need it. And um, that's probably the thing that you're kind of, talking about as being missed if you're completely mm. on your own isolated working with other professionals um even if it if you're running your own practice but you're just renting a room and there are other private practitioners in that building mm. then that's probably also a really good place to start right um if you have a peer supervision kind of agreement and relationship with them yeah. um but it's otherwise it's, it is potentially quite isolating mm. i haven't really worked completely you know, on my own, so I can't. I actually can't imagine what it would be like. And actually, yeah. that really that is something that would actually really scare me a lot. Yeah. Knowing okay. knowing you, Justine, I think you would struggle with just pure isolation. I just yeah, yes. I would I would struggle because um, I talk a lot. Um, I struggle that uh, I would also struggle with um, needing to just gauge what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's something that I I do a lot of, um, and that would be something that would worry me a lot that I would kind of not not have other people to check with. Yeah. And, you know, there's been absolute experiences where that has been so beneficial to, to actually have that peer supervision and record it and say, actually, I've, I've spoken to a few people about this and this is how other people would manage this situation or that they've agreed that that was the most appropriate way to manage it and that kind of settles yeah. anything tricky yeah. and that contains me mm. yeah. <laughs> it and, really does yeah and, and when I think about isolation in, in private practice that is that is like my biggest I think um, concern is that uh, you know what what if I, I don't have enough connections around me where I can have those consults with 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 peers to make sure that what I'm you know the decisions I'm making and and you know the the ideas that I have for practice with my clients are, are actually you know on, on the right mark yeah. Um, that yeah. I'm not just kind of like doing some cowboy therapy and just, just you know, yeah. like hoping that it works. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think that we're all different in how, um, in our areas of confidence and our, you know, um, and the things that make us nervous, but that's absolutely something that makes me very nervous. And I've thought a lot about it because, you know, I thought, well, 
you know, working from closer to home and, you know, like going back to being mm. a little bit more isolated and it just – it that's my little thing that just yeah. stops me every time, of, uh, you know, um, that nervousness about doing the wrong thing, basically. I'm, I'm so, so thrilled to know that, you know, when, when I'm a seasoned uh, psychologist such as yourself, Justine, that that's something that's still going to keep me awake at night. I'm really, really looking forward to the rest of my career in psychology. Uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. This is going to be great. <laughs> Welcome. Not a, not awake at night, yeah. just checking yeah. your clinical practice and keeping yeah. your clients in mind. Nice. Yeah. Keep you on your toes, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. You comfortable. That's it. We <laughs> can't, we can't get complacent in mental health. The moment I think we realise that we, or the moment that we think we uh, we know what's what's going on and that we we are you know the the best that we can possibly be is the moment I think you lose sight yeah. of, of being a, yeah. a good I think that that's good probably when it's yeah, yeah it's done yeah <laughs> <laughs> because honestly it's so it is one of those amazing kind of jobs every day is different just when yeah. you think you've kind of dealt with most things mm. something new comes up and you're like I've never dealt with that before yeah that's mm. never happened yeah <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to be like 90 still still practicing and just thinking yeah I've still got so much to learn <laughs> awesome. and that is one of the best yeah. things about our work yeah. to be honest it yeah. does grow so much. Oh, let's be really I'm not gonna make it to ninety. So did we talk about your isolation? Did we answer yeah, that question? Oh, Jesse, I don't think yeah, you should work good. by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah pro- probably not. Yeah. I'm already concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I work in a team and you're already worried about me. <laughs> so what is it that is is that what you like most about working in mental health or the other things that you're like, this is why I do what I do? It's an interesting thing when you think about your journey into a profession. So my journey into psychology probably only began once I was in uni. Um, And then it was just something that I was, you know, enjoyed and found that I was kind of liking. Hmm. So um, the things that I really like about what I do, I work with children and young people and I've only ever worked with children and young people. And what I really, really like is seeing young people learn about themselves and watching change. You know, mm. I think that we have a really unique position, and I think it's a, I think it's a unique field working with young people because um, not everybody enjoys it, and not everybody feels comfortable in that space. Um, but if it's something that you do enjoy and you feel comfortable in, it's really really rewarding mm. they're the coolest little people in the world they're hilarious yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. on your side there Justin mm. I think yeah. they're the funnest population to work absolutely. with absolutely and early um, intervention is yeah. you know like intervening yeah. early and doing good work makes such a big difference you know mm. it just and it makes sense in my head like if we were actually you know teaching kids about how their brains work and how their emotions work and communication and um, understanding themselves, and then we might have different situations in adulthood. It might be easier mm. for adults to understand when they're having a tricky time and what yeah. to look out for and to yeah. intervene right. early and, yeah, and have that basis for skills, and that's kind of stuff that I feel that I witness in mm. my job. Yeah. It is a really cool job, and I get uh, the population I work with, I get to often work with for a long period of time, which is something different about private practice compared to, say, a mental health service. Mm. Um you know, we might be working with some young people for quite a long period of time as they go through their development because they may have a diagnosis that warrants that. And they may come back into our service a number of times too. So you really do get to witness a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And that's pretty special and pretty unique. Mm. It's a really nice thing sometimes. 
Yeah. I've met some lovely little people, but it does make <laughs> me feel really old. <laughs> really, really yeah. old. I'm sure there's people that I've worked, well, there are, there's people that I've worked with that are probably kind of in their late 30s. I won't say any older than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. amazing though. That's, yeah, yeah, the thing I think that we do, you know, um, and that's really special about what we do. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 That didn't probably answer your question. No, that, that, no, that, no, was, no. that was okay. really good. Um, I think you've, you've done a great job of answering our questions uh, so far. Um, <laughs> Whoa, so yeah, far. So yeah, wait wait uh, till I fail. Get ready. <laughs> Even my computer failed yeah. on me. So <laughs> It's about to go downhill no, from no, here. Now we're about to yeah. ask the hard-hitting questions. Yes. Like, what are the kind of... Maybe like I've changed my I've changed my mind on the question. I'd like to ask what um what what is it like working with other services um in the area and like oh, working together yeah. with let's say like the public ser- yeah. service or other private services. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Yeah, um, I think that that's quite different about private practice. I think that um really knowing what you do and what your purpose is is really really important when you're in private practice because very quickly expectations from other organizations can get quite blurry um you know our our role and what we do here we do assessment and we do a lot of group work and things like that but our role is therapy that's predominantly what we do Mm. and um you know we do do it really well and we've got really good resources that support our work um and really amazing experience within the team um but it's quite common and um and it it always has been my experience in private practice that that other organisations have different expectations of what mm. you do. Um, and that's a really hard thing to negotiate and can very mm. easily and quickly get blurred if you're not clear yeah. about that and you know how to manage it. Okay. And certainly that's something that is your turn now. I reckon on that, Justine, it would be one of those things, as you mentioned, you've got to have those really clear boundaries around it because I, I reckon if you didn't and you maybe slipped up on that, I could, I could very much see how it would be a case of if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Yeah, you can easily get into yeah. case management role, which yeah. is not your role and you can't do that well in this, mm. you no, know, you, you because there's can't. too many, you know, yeah. you're seeing clients in a totally different way. So you'll see yeah. many more clients in a day. So, but if you act, um, if you give, um, you know, a different view and, and then people will kind of get very mixed up yeah. in their expectations, which doesn't help. It doesn't help the client at all. Mm. Yeah. What, what What would be the What's the um, furthest? What's the um, difference between a therapeutic role and a case management role? Yeah. So um, the in a case management role, and the way I would see it is that you would do more of that coordination with other organisations, and um, and maybe referring out from your organisation for different types of support the clients needed. So you you'll probably do an assessment and have an idea of um, well, well, have a formulation and then some goals mm. that a client might need, and some of those might be yours to achieve. Um, but it will be then about how you support that client to to meet the rest of those goals or uh, to further it, you know, um, outside the organisation. Um, mm. And it's more shorter term. So therapy, obviously, the goals are around more longer term kind of things that people are wanting to achieve or change in their life. Um, and so it would be more a CBT, like a traditional CBT or um, DBT or something like that, that you would 
apply in a more traditional kind of format um, and for a longer period of time. And those goals might change a lot more um, and a lot more quickly because um, often in a case management role, it's really the goals are set around what the organisation can do. Mm. Um, and in a therapy goal, it, um, therapy role, it's probably more around what the client wants to change and achieve. Yep. So it, they can be a lot more variable mm-hmm. and, you know, you can you have that ability to be able to do that right, in okay. the role, which yeah, okay. is less defined, I suppose. Okay, yeah. Um, it's not probably the right way, right way of describing it, but it's, yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's more flexibility. There's more that you can incorporate into it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I suppose one of the things that we then do a lot of is if in therapy and in trying to reach those goals, there's, you know, other things that um, – we start to think about and assess with a client, we can do more formal assessments Mm. to understand a client's needs, which probably doesn't happen in a case management role so much. So, for example, a client may come in because they're struggling with behaviour at school and it becomes apparent that maybe there's, you know, um, some impulsivity or um, some attention kind of issues. We might then do a formal assessment around that to understand what's happening for the client and help them understand themselves and set up some, you know, make some changes in in their learning. Um, Yeah. So mm. it, that's different to something that maybe you would do in a case management role. Okay. What are there any other kinds of um, things that um, I guess other outside forces might expect you to do that aren't really a role, or things that you have to that are maybe challenging to negotiate in terms of working with other organisations? Um, I think if you have really good boundaries, no. But mm. I think that very easily um, you can potentially get caught up in um, issues around privacy and things like that. So one of the things that happens um, in private practice quite a lot is that clients may um, be funded mm-hmm. for therapy from a variety of different organisations. So they might be NDIS funded or um, from an NGO or something like that for a particular a number of um, clinical sessions. Um, and being really clear about who your client is and not blurring those lines around communication or information mm. that they might want if yep. it's um, clinical and, you know, because yeah. your client's a client. So, yep. um, and, and that can be a little bit tricky to um, work your way through if you don't really understand that part of okay. the role yep. and the legal aspects of it. And, yeah, so that can be quite difficult legally too. So that can be um, a thing, a tricky thing to negotiate when you're working for an organisation. You know, it's very clear how that works legally. You go to your, uh, to the team leader and then they go up higher and then they probably go up higher and there might even be a lawyer that's yeah. a part yeah. of the organisation yeah. 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 and yeah. they have a discussion <laughs> with the lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but when, especially if you're in your own private practice, um, you know, and a lawyer contacts... Um, you know, one of the one of the things that could happen is that you could be providing information without consent and without an understanding of the ramifications. So it's quite easy to mm. get a little bit mixed up in other people's needs to try yeah. and you feel like you're helping the client. Yeah. Um, but in actual fact, it's quite detrimental. So you know, they're the things that can be a little bit trickier about private practice. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so they would be some of the things I, I can uh, imagine you'd be suggesting to be really rigid around and very have very clear guidelines yeah around. yeah and you know um, I suppose when you're thinking about starting private practice really doing lots of research around that kind of stuff mm. so um, really understanding um, you know 
laws around privacy and you know like all consumer kind of laws so that you kind of can be very clear around the contracts that you're entering into with clients mm-hmm. um, and having that written down and kind of working way through all that you know there's lots of kind of um, tools out there that really help um, to to start and to set up a private practice but they're probably not you know um, fully developed or the mm. you know they, they, they do make you feel like you've thought about everything, um, you know, because that's where I started. I started, yeah. you know, so um, with like the APS and going through what they were doing. You might have to cut out names. Um, <laughs> you might have to cut out no, the name of that actually. No, I started with some standardised forms that you can have that are easily available on the web. and <laughs> But now that's certainly not. Or, yep. You know where we where we start and stop. There's yeah. a lot more than that. Okay, mm. and I think that's a really um, you know useful note that you make there, Justine. Are there are there any other things you think that are really important for uh, any aspiring business people out there? Yep. Um, to consider when starting up their own private practice. Yeah, I think that it's also really important to either have a business mentor or, um, you know, a supervision arrangement that includes um, discussion around your business Mm. Um, and, you know, really working hard on that part of it because it's very easy to just continue down the role of clinical kind of supervision and clinical thinking. But if you're owning your own business, you're juggling both. Yeah. Um, And that is challenging because our job is you know, our clients and it's clinically mm. based. And then if you've kind of got a business hat on, business doesn't necessarily always marry with that. Yeah. So right. it's, yeah. mm, it's, yeah. it is tricky it's, yeah, okay. and to get that balance right. And mm. but it, as long as, you know, you're, um, you have the good bones of your business and, um, you know, good kind of support and supervision and maybe a mentor um, around how your business is working, then you can kind of, be open and honest with clients, um, and it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's making me think a lot more about, like, in private practice, there is a whole bunch of extra things that you need to think about, but it's also kind of part of that kind of that journey, that adventure, and, like, the, the thing that makes it what it is um, is that level of control over so many aspects of how it runs, and so you can decide, mm-hmm. well, how... How does the how does how my income translate into practice and to what services we provide and things like that? Yeah. So it's like not thinking of it as just like oh it's more work you have to do, but it's like you you're given more dials to turn in order to do Absolutely. the kind of work you really want to do it rather than just being yeah sometimes being in working for an organization you just have to do what you're told because yeah. that's just what it is you're in an organization and somebody else makes those decisions. Absolutely, yeah, and making sure that the people that you're talking to probably have a similar type of business to you as well rather than, you know, um, something completely different because then, you know, then you can share what what you're both learning or what someone else has told you and it just makes it a lot easier if you can kind of say, what are you doing about this? Yeah. Or have you guys come across this? Um, so, and that just makes it a much easier conversation to have because yeah. um, that happens all the time when mm. you're in business. Have you, you know, you like the question around, have you kind of, not this year. <laughs> Yeah. Have you guys learned anything more around how we're supposed to be managing COVID or our COVID safety plans in private practice? And, yeah. you know, being able to ask that but, and have that directly relate to the type of business that you're running. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of like peer supervision but for business. So what would that be, like beer supervision? <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> 
I'm gonna cut that. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was that was some of my best work. Uh, surely, surely that makes the final final cut. Oh, oh yeah, well, fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Alrighty, I reckon that's probably a good note to uh, <laughs> conclude the, the main discussion uh, today on. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. No that has problem. been amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's helpful or not. It's well, so think, confusing, isn't it? Yeah. You're giving these messages at uni, mm. then yeah. you know, it might be something mm. that you're still interested in. and yeah. As, as um, I, I think I can speak on behalf of Aaron for this one, but Aaron, if I do... Okay. Go, go ahead. If go I ahead. do say something you don't I agree with. Permission. Whatever you yeah. say in my words. Oh, that's dangerous. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to unload on the mic. Oh, no. no, no. I think um, as, as uh, early career clinicians ourselves, uh, we, we found this discussion to be really quite useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of things that we've spoken about this evening that uh, I hadn't thought about much mm. prior to, to today. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the kind of stuff that, yeah, where else would you hear about mm. it until you actually get into it and then learn That's from exactly experience? That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is what I you didn't had to hear do. about it before <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah. So and having at least the uh, the outline of these are the kinds of things you need to investigate mm. and think yeah. about yeah. would be so helpful. Yeah. yeah. One and of the easiest things I did when I first went into private practice um, more on my own was I, I worked for a place and they did all of the admin stuff. So a lot of that stuff around consent and around, you know, the, like where my files went and how they were managed, I didn't have to think about mm. to begin with, um, which made it much easier to think about the other stuff um, rather than have to do all of it at once. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. Cool. cool. Mm. Well, yeah, I think that's, um, it's definitely been a quality discussion. Quality cheek. As, as, <laughs> as always with this podcast, the most important discussion that we have is about the beer and how we rate it so aaron's aaron's lost his mind <laughs> that was such a weird interaction how am I, that's not even a full beer jeez aaron yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna have, have one some chips with uh, this uh, yeah. he's lost it yeah. we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like Really going to have to dial it down for, for Aaron, maybe just half yeah. a beer. Yeah, in just... a half strength beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a standard drink, Jesse. <laughs> standard drink. You're not a standard person, Aaron. Whoa. Um, is that an insult? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that was meant to be a, a compliment. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate think, I think that. You're, wow. You're, you're uh, yeah, a nice guy. Cut above the rest. I can see why you're a psychologist. Yes. Yeah, make me feel better. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> All right. So what do you think about the beer? Yes. It's beer. And it's beer. I would be very happy to drink again. Um, Indian pale ales. I don't mind them. They're not bad. Um, this <laughs> you know, one. You're not, you're not convincing me. <laughs> this one. No, I'm kind of glad I stuck to the water at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just tell, it how, tell us how it is, Jesse. This is about yeah, it's, no, it's, it's not. So I've, I've enjoyed it. I, okay. I am. I, I would happily drink it again, and I think I will give it. Uh, I'm going to give this one about a three, three out of five. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's more than half. It is. It's slightly more than half. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say this is better than most of the IPAs that I've drunk. I'm not mm-hmm. always a fan, but this one is not as like aggressively bitter as most IPAs that I've had. Mm. So it's not bad. It's mm. a bit more malty than usual. So it's good. It's good. I, I will. I will give it a, a two point five. 
Do you mind farts? Average yeah. beer. Very good. I drink so it you, again you if do, someone... You do not give, like your IPAs. Someone get, put it in my hand, I drink yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Recommended. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so Justine, on the waters, um, what, how, how do you rate it? The stuff of life. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. you know, it's refreshing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. If um if next time if next time how do I answer this question? Yeah, it if, makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I did give it a three point seven eight yeah. earlier. Yeah, you did. You kind, of, you kind of reviewed it a little bit before we were meant to review it, but I'm going to blame Aaron for that one because he That's asked true. you for the I really rating. I forced yeah. you into the, the yeah. rating earlier. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. Um, That's if, fine. If yeah, we okay, do next. have. You on again, Justine. Um, if you could, so much to say. If you could, about it, the world. Yeah, if you could go to the effort of not getting tanked before the podcast and then requiring water instead of beer, <laughs> that'd be great. Started early. <laughs> no, no, Justine hasn't had any beers today. No. And, um, as always, we promote the responsible drinking of alcohol here at Beer Supervision. So getting tanked would not be an option. No. For any of our future guests listening, don't get tanked before the podcast. <laughs> not pretty. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thanks again, Justine, mm. for being on the podcast. It was so great. Yes. Um, yeah. We have got something special coming up next episode, Aaron. Yeah. And um, we're and not going to tell you about that right now. You guys can sit not? and wait for it. Really? Okay. Yeah, no, the, the surprise will be there on the on the day of the recording. Okay, okay I guess. Fine. I'm very excited about it. So I'm kind of sad I don't get to tell anyone, but it's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll keep it a secret. We'll, we'll, we'll tell That's... them on the day. Okay, fine. Fine. I'll hold it in. <laughs> we, need, we need to... Uh, uh, probably plan it, plan these things out a bit more so that we're on the same page because no, you, 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 you were bursting at the seams to tell everybody I was, what's going on. I was up. really excited. Can uh, I just tell them it, it's it's at a it's at a different location. It's it's again at a special location. Yes, which is very exciting. Yes, and a very special not that location. not that this location wasn't special. But it's even more. But this one's uh, let's let's yeah, it's 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 better. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it it's is. Gippsland location and it's better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is it at a brewery? Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> God, <laughs> Out of the bag. You're drinking yeah. beer. <laughs> yeah. And it's Damn. more special. Okay. Yeah. So um. Oh. Intellectual rings around us. Yes. So that's uh, the age. It's, the like, age. it's like she knew what we were thinking. Are you? Are you one of them psychologists, Justine? <laughs> I can read minds. Ah <laughs> oh, yes. Well, there, there you go. The surprise is out. We are recording our next episode at a brewery. We won't tell you which one it is going to be, but uh, Aaron and I are super keen. For that episode, and we are super keen for the guests we've got coming on as well as we are for all of our guests on beer supervision. Um, and I think that's probably a good note to say, Justine, thank you very much. You've been a fantastic guest. We very much appreciate it, and I reckon our listeners do too. All right, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time. <laughs>